1 Samuel 17 tonight, and there's some words that have been on my heart lately, so tonight's going to be maybe less of a teaching and more of this man being inspired that there's victory for the people of God. There's breakthrough for the people of God. And what often happens is between the promise and the, the, the fulfillment of that promise is a Goliath pops up in the way. Amen. And I was praying Monday night here. We have prayer at uh, 630 if you're able to come. We just have about an hour long time of just interceding and praying for our community, praying for our church, praying for folks who are under the weather or dealing with major crisis in their lives. And we intercede and pray on their behalf. And on Monday night, the thing that kept coming to my heart is that there's a Goliath in the way. And if there's a Goliath in the way, you can either react in fear or you can react, respond in faith. There's always either a reaction or a response. And the response of the people of God should always be, who is this that's going to stand in the way of what God desires and what God wants? So if you're battered, beaten, bruised in your walk with the Lord, because there is a principle in the Bible, and I taught on this a long time ago, but it always, it always helped me, and this isn't like exact. It's a principle that you see in the Word of God of 40. 40 in the Bible is used a lot. Um, for 40 days and 40 nights it rained. And then 40 went, 40, the 41st day rather came and it quit raining and there was victory and blessing from God. We see Moses and Moses was killed an Egyptian and he hid out on the backside of the desert for 40 years. And the 41st year, God gave him a second chance, anointed him, brought him in to lead the people of God out of Egyptian bondage. And we see that 40 principle all throughout the Bible, David and Goliath. For 40 days, Goliath was taunting the people of God and telling them that they could not be victorious because he was there and he's the victor. And tonight we're going to talk about the fact that really the only, the only weapon that the enemy really has against a spirit-filled man or woman of God is his mouth. Amen? <laughs> All he can do is intimidate. All he can do, we see again throughout the Bible, you see uh, stories all through Jonah. He went and, and preached to Nineveh and 40 days they were given to be able to, and on 40, 41st day, they repented. We see this in the New Testament. For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted by the devil. And we see on the 41st day, he overcame his temptations that he brought his way and was victorious and was launched into his ministry. So there's a principle there in the word that no matter where you are on God's timeline, I want you to know that God sees where you are. If you're battle-worn, if you feel like life has weighed you down lately, this is an encouraging word tonight. The greater is he that is inside of you than he that is coming against you in the world. And 41 always comes. Jesus, of course, rises from the dead. You see 40 days. And, and look, on the 41st day, he ascends to the right hand of our Heavenly Father, where he sits enthroned in glory. And he is high above all principalities, powers, wickedness in high places, and every work of the enemy. He is seated far above. And Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost, preaches to a crowd. 3,000 are saved in the church's birth. And honey, let me tell you, 2,000 years later, there's still a Holy Ghost and there's still a blood-bought church of Jesus Christ that are filled with His Spirit. And my point tonight is simple. I'm tired of Goliath having his way with the people of God. 
I'm tired of the enemies of God taunting the people of God. Whatever sphere that we have arrayed against us in our culture, in our government, in, in our lives, in our personal lives, against our kids, whatever it may be, I want you to know that 41 does come. There is a day of victory for the people of God. And oftentimes what we do is we simply lose heart. Doesn't the Bible say you will reap if you do not lose heart? So wherever you're at on that timeline, I want to encourage your heart tonight that God sees you exactly where you are and there is a victory for the people of God. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look at 1 Samuel 17. You guys know the story very well, but this is strong on my heart. Strong, strong on my heart. Because God has a process. Everybody says process. Process Process is what makes a lump of coal into a diamond. Amen? Darkness, pressure, testing, all those things that press against it, that something pure comes out of it. And that testing process could be people abandoning, abandoning you, people lying about you, maybe a problem at work, maybe a problem somewhere in your life. But when you've been in process long enough, I've learned this in my life, when you've been in process long enough, if you've been in that dark place, if you feel like the pressure of life is molding you into something, listen, that's God's hand molding you into his greater purpose. I guarantee you. And I've learned this about that process. When I've been through that process myself, I don't care if I've got to clean toilets or preach. I just want to be in the middle of where God is. I just want to be in the midst of what he's doing and in, in what he's moving forward in our lives. And some haven't experienced the full measure of what God wants to do in your life because you haven't understood the process God is bringing you through. So tonight we're going to look at that process. Tonight we're going to be able to hopefully identify our Goliath. We're going to be able to understand the weapons that he uses to come against the people of God. Because I found out in my life, if I can't identify where the enemy is attacking, I have no hope of ever defeating him in my personal life or in the life of a community or even in the life of our country. And my prayer tonight is you would be encouraged, strengthened, so that you could offer a prayer of faith to God. And some of you can even reawaken and reignite some dreams that God has put in your heart because you've let the enemy intimidate you to the point where maybe you've given up on that prayer that you've prayed. Maybe it's an ancient prayer, an old prayer. Maybe 20, 30 years ago you prayed something and you felt like God didn't answer. But I came to tell you tonight, God is a faithful God and he's a promise-keeping God. And he's a God who will keep his covenant promises to us. So 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 1. And I'm absolutely going to mess up all of these first names, okay? Just bear with me. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephnus Demen between Soko and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. It's always those Philistines, isn't it? The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Now look back this way. I spent entirely too much time trying to figure out how much that weighed today. I passed by face office and I said, I'm still trying to figure out. Best I can come, I was just curious. And maybe if you're curious too, it's about 140 pounds of weight. The, 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 the spearhead would have weighed about 20 to 25 pounds. So I want you to get an idea of a big giant in the way of people who were supposed to be serving a big God. Amen? 
Verse 6, on his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. These are the people of God. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Father, for these next few minutes and moments as we open your word, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement, the challenge, and the blessing that it brings us as the people of God. That in times that we are living in today, no matter what it is arrayed ahead of us, Lord, we understand that we are more than victorious in Christ Jesus. Lord, we understand that you are continually with us and fill us to overflowing. So, Lord, tonight I pray that this word would bring the encouragement by which it's intended and that we would leave here full of faith and understanding that if our God be for us, who can be against us? We praise you tonight, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. So you have the people of God on one hill. You've got the enemies of God, the Philistines, on another hill. Much like I talked about last week, there's only two kingdoms kingdoms in operation today, and that is the kingdom of darkness and the prince of the power of the air, the devil, and the kingdom of God and his Christ. There's only two, and you see this here, there's only two camps arrayed, and they're on one mountaintop and the other one's on another mountaintop, a high place, and in the middle is a valley where the enemies of God were calling and taunting the people of God to come out. And on a side note, I just do want to tell you, it matters what camp you camp out in. Amen? Church, you better be around some people that believe God is what I'll say. You better be around some people that are going to pray and break through. And that's the word I have for some tonight that was birthed in my heart on Monday night prayer meeting just this past Monday is breakthrough. Is breakthrough. Come on. Do you need a breakthrough? You need that place where the enemy has set up a defense and set up something against you and you just need to break through his defenses, whatever area it may be in in your life. And here are the steps to your 41 because there's always a timeline of God. There's a process that he has us in. And I believe a lot of people give up somewhere in the midst of that process God has before we ever see the full promise of what he's promising. So my encouragement is 41 will come, but there's some things that we have to understand and do because I've learned this. Between the promise and the provision, there is always a Goliath. Amen? Amen. Have you noticed Goliath always pops up somewhere on that timeline? Have you noticed the enemy always pops up and starts to tell his lies and have his giant in the way? And whatever that thing that has been taunting you lately, whatever it is that's coming against you, I believe God's saying it's time to rise up, gird up, and begin to move forward into the victory God has already promised for the people of God. Am I talking to anybody but myself tonight? And that's a statement of faith, isn't it? I'm not saying that because anything's changed in my life. I'm saying that because we serve a big God. I don't look at how big the giant is. I look at how big my God is tonight and how the victory that he won on the cross is applicable to any situation that we're walking to. Because faith is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's working for you whether you feel it tonight or not. But faith is elastic. It's stretched sometimes. God ever stretched your faith? Oftentimes we look at the size of our faith and we get discouraged. 
But Jesus said, if you got faith as small as a mustard seed. So listen to me. It's not the size of your faith tonight. A lot of times it's the duration of your faith. It's continuing to believe God even though that the report that the doctor said sounds bad. It's important that we continue to believe God even though the boss said, well, there won't be any raises this year. Or we need to believe God if your kid seems to be going the opposite way rather than towards Jesus. It seems like they're going away from Jesus. We need to stop and remember that the people of God have the victory of God that he provided for us. So there's always a giant. There's always a Goliath that pops up. And number one tonight, I wanted, if you're taking notes, and this is so important, you have to identify your Goliath. Everybody say identify. You can't beat your enemy if you don't know what enemy you're fighting. And I found a lot of the times in the people of God when I counsel with them and talk to them, it's just trying to identify because, see, most people, see, anger is not your problem. Addiction is not your problem. Whatever it is, lack of finances is not your problem. Those are fruit from a root of a tree that the enemy planted in your life a long time ago. And most of the time we're just trying to fight because you had the enemies of God on this mountain, you had the God's people on this mountain, you had a valley in between. And when you look at the story, you begin to just look at it from just a natural perspective and just say, okay, what was going on here? Why were they separated? Why, why didn't they t- attack each other? Why didn't they come against each other? And God did the people of Israel a favor because if you could just say, well, if you go down there, and because we think this spiritually speaking when it comes to prayer and spiritual warfare, if I can just defeat all of these other enemies, then I'll have the victory. But there's a principle in the word of God called the strong man. And the principle of the strong man, and Jesus laid this out when he says nobody goes into a house or try to take anything unless he first binds the strong man. So for many of you, you're coming to a revelation as you've been in this church for maybe a year, two years, three years. I have conversations with you all the time. And they're wonderful conversations because I've talked to some and counseled with some that are just like, hey, this is my issue. But I've been praying and God showed me it was something all the way back here that I opened the door to. And it had nothing to do with the issue I'm facing. Nothing to do with the issue. And I think this is the type of spiritual analogy we can draw from 1 Samuel 17. Is God did them a favor because in other words, if you can defeat the big one in the middle right there that's taunting the people of God, you have victory over all the other stuff. So we're in a season where I want you to begin to pray and identify who is your Goliath in your life spiritually that's keeping you from the victory that God promised. Because it's very important. The true enemy, the strong man, so to speak, identified himself. This is important because all many of you, many people can see is a huge group of enemies parked against you. This problem comes up, the kids are doing this, the finances are bad, and you start to see signs of spiritual warfare and spiritual attack. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is identify maybe an area even where we're disobedient to God in that's causing these things in our lives. Amen? Consequences are something else. Amen? Why is that good? Because in our lives, when it comes to victory in many areas, it is my belief that all these others can be defeated when we identify the main target. I like to go out shooting, target shooting. Uh, My son just recently got a new shotgun, so we've been out a couple times just shooting targets and different things. And if I'm in this lane at the shooting range outdoors and I look ahead, I've got to identify what's in front of me and I've got to identify the target. I don't shoot somebody's target 20 feet down that way. That's a problem maybe for some of you in here. You've been trying to defeat everybody else's devils. It might be time for you to defeat the Goliath that's in your life. That's a word. Amen. That's a now word for somebody. 
you need to identify where the enemy is coming in because the Goliath, it said, the Bible says this about Goliath. He was the enemy's champion. In other words, he had never seen defeat. He was a warrior from his youth all the way up to this time that we're seeing in 1 Samuel of where he's coming against the people of God. Let me ask you this tonight. What area in your life is the enemy undefeated? What area in your life is the enemy seems like he's constantly stirring up trouble and division and problems? Because I'll tell you this, God is calling you to battle today. God's calling you to take a stand today, much like David did. So God does us a favor. He lets the enemy come forward. And what does the enemy always do? He starts running his mouth. Does he not? He has no new tactic. He has no new scheme. He has no new anything but to run his lying mouth. Am I telling the truth tonight? He did it all the way back in the garden. Imagine... If Eve would have just ignored him, the enemy hates to be ignored, doesn't he? He does. He, he, he's a showman. If you look around at our culture, it's very obvious that he was a great entertainer in heaven, evidently, because he's brought that whole culture down to the earth and sucked a lot of people up into hell by just that one thing. Am I telling the truth? So one of the main en- enemies of the weapon is dialogue. And some of you have believed that the enemy has more power to take you out than God has to give you victory and save you. Because you've been listening to your Goliath all during this 40 days, which represents a time of testing, a time of, 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 of a process that God has till we see the ultimate victory. And the enemy does what? He dialogues, he talks. And my question was simply this. Why didn't he attack them? Why didn't he just race across the, the field of battle and start, if he was that tough and that big and bad and, that, and, and everything he was saying was true, then he should have been able to walk across that valley on the first day and begin to slay the people of God. The reason he didn't do it is the same reason that you need to know tonight who your enemy is. He's under your feet. Amen. The God of peace shall soon crush Satan under your feet if you don't lose heart. If you believe God's word, if you continue to press in in prayer, if you continue to lay aside some of the things of the world and listen to the Holy Ghost and fast and pray and press into the things of God, because he couldn't defeat him. And you need to understand that tonight from the word of God. As a man or woman of God filled with God's Holy Spirit, the enemy can only taunt you and threaten you. And what is the main thing that he uses? Fear. And all fears are not created equal, right? Like, I'm afraid of snakes and spiders. I'll just lay it out there to everybody in the room. Snakes and spiders. And flying. You say flying. You've flown. You know, you're a missionary. You flew, flew all over the world. I'm not talking like I'm terrified. I'm just, I like to be in control. <laughs> you know, I'd, 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 like, if he invited me up into the cockpit, George, I would go and try. I would. <laughs> I'm like, this is bumpy. I bet you I can make it fly smooth. Just get, get out of my way. Y'all, Jesus did say, lo, I am with you always. Did he not? Okay, okay. I always remember that scripture when I fly. But these fears that we have most of the time, most every time, is all the enemy can ever really do to us is cause us to operate in fear instead of faith. To operate in a place of 
this is going to happen to me. That's going to happen to me. And listen, he is a, like my brother just said, he's a terrorist. And he didn't attack them because he tries to, his greatest weapon against the church and, and its people are boastful words designed to intimidate, humiliate, and desecrate. He first tries to intimidate us with words designed to to steal courage. If there's ever a day where the people of God need to be filled with courage, it is today. Because we've moved in our culture from Christianity being a neutral thing, nobody really cares if you're a Christian or not, to where if you're really a true Bible-believing, blood-bought, following Jesus Christian, you're actually despised by the world in the day we're living in. And he, what he does is he tries to intimidate us. He tries to humiliate us. And if he tries to humiliate you with words, again, it's, it's his words, it's his attack, he wants to try to steal your confidence in who God is. If that doesn't work, he tries to desecrate with words designed to try to steal our faith. If Goliath was really that big and bad, let me point out, then he should have walked across the valley and he should have wiped out every Israelite on the other side. But the voices in the wind that are saying the church has seen its best day, the voices in the wind that says that you have seen your last victory, the voices in the wind, even if you're older in here, let me tell you something to anybody, whether you're in your 20s or whether you're in your 70s, you have not seen your last Goliath. And that should encourage you because if you won some victories in the past, they weren't because you're so great, it's because he's so great. It's because he is so good. But it does call on us to identify our Goliath. Because all the enemy really has is words. And some of you have been listening to the voice of the devil, the enemy, about how much damage he is going to do instead of listening to God about the victory he's getting ready to bring in your life. Because 41 does come. I'm living proof. The main weapon the devil has is fear. It says in the Word, every morning... And every evening, every morning, and every evening. Some of you, the first thing that you focus on when you wake up in the morning and your eyes are open and you're getting out of bed is you begin to take in what the enemy wants you to take in. And when you lay your head on the pillow at night, every morning and every evening, you're taking in what the enemy says. I say in Jesus' name, it's time to stand up and begin to declare the word of the Lord for your life, your ministry, your calling, what God has for you to do, and quit focusing on what the enemy's doing. Amen? The Israelites heard the same mocking and bullying voice of Goliath, and they responded with silence. David shows up, the least of these, the, the forgotten one that's been anointed king, but he has. it's interesting, too, that it was 40 years that Saul reigned over Israel, 40, 41st year, 41st year, 41st year, it was David, amen? 41 will come. You've never seen, you have not seen your last. Goliath and fear is the tool he uses most. Can't be lost on us that God used David to respond to the giant. Because if you're in here and you think, I'm the least of my family, I'm the least spiritual one, I'm the least, I'm the least, I'm the least. Listen to me, that's the enemy speaking in your ear. Because in this room, there are no second class believers, there are no second class Christians. If you've got the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in me, lives and resides inside of you, guess what you have? You've got more power in your pinky than what you could ever even imagine. 
We're going to talk on Sunday about Mount Sinai and what I'm finding are incredible parallels between Mount Sinai and, and the Mount of Transfiguration that we'll study in a few weeks are incredible. And what is bringing out to me is we stand on covenant. And that's what he came at Goliath with was he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes against the people of God? I don't come at you enemy with my own words or my own attack. I come at you in the name of the Lord our God because he was in covenant with that God. He was anointed by that God. It didn't matter that he was just off watching a few sheep. Some of you just see yourself as less in, and God wants you to know tonight, you've got it inside of you to face the Goliath that's in front of you. You do. But it's fear. So what's kept you back from your 41? Because it's there. Sometimes all it takes is for us to stand up against what the enemy's trying to do. These were God's chosen people. Do you know that you are God's chosen people? A royal priesthood? You have authority inside of you? You have the Spirit of God inside of you? Listen, I'm encouraging myself tonight. That's what I'm doing. Here are some things I want to talk about that you're equipped with. Everybody say equipped. See, it's, it's, it's easy to see yourself as small and insignificant when there's a giant in the way. But in Christ, you are. When David stepped onto the battlefield to confront Goliath, he wasn't measuring himself by his size or his strength. Goliath had him on both counts. You, whatever it is in front of you, you may size it up and think, well, I'm not a military man. David wasn't. He wasn't a, a warrior. He was a shepherd. So quit looking at what you're not and look at who he is and who he created you to be. But here's what David did have. And it's something that I pray and ask the Lord to develop in me on a regular basis. David had an inner toughness and an inner desire to see everything God said to be true in his life and the devil a liar. Amen? He was relying more on the power of God to save him than he was on any of the people. Because as we go through this, it's amazing that when he comes to the battlefield, he brings cheese and and bread. His father sent him just to deliver some goods. And he was supposed to deliver some cheese and bread and then head back to watch the sheep. And about the time that he's delivering these things, here comes Goliath out of the ranks of the enemy to come down like he had been doing for every morning and every night and to taunt and to come against the people of God with his words. Not with, not with the sword and the spear, just taunting them. And David's like, hold my cheese, hold my bread. <laughs> I'm going to take off the devil's head. Amen? Just hold this. But as he gets in, and read the rest of the story for the sake of time, we won't. But when he, when he gets into a place where he's going to go out and fight the enemy, it was actually some of the people closest to him that talked him, tried to talk him out of confronting the enemy. Be careful who you're listening to. Make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that aren't going to look at you and say, no, that can't be done because nothing is impossible for my God. We're people of faith, amen? We look around at even our culture and the world and we say, how could this ever change? Listen to me. God can defeat Goliath, amen? 
And he had come against the bear and the lion. And he said, the same God that delivered me from the bear and the same God that delivered me from... In other words, his trust wasn't even in himself. His trust was in what God had already prepared him to do. And I'm telling you that many, if not most, if not all, everybody under the sound of my voice, God has prepared you in victories past and entrusting him in the past to finally identify the Goliath that's in front of you and come at him with the word of God. Talking the other day to some of you folks, and he pulls out these five smooth stones, uses one to defeat Goliath. What we forget is Goliath had brothers. (laughs) Right? There's always another giant. The devil just tries to sneak in and call himself by a new name. So how has God already prepared you? Because if I know nothing else about my Heavenly Father, He is very preparatory by nature. He does not leave you unprepared to face what is in front of you. And that should fill us with hope tonight. Amen? That should fill us with an understanding of where the enemy is operating and what God has already put in our tool belt to defeat what is in front of us. Because the moment that David was anointed as the future king of Israel, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And empowered him for his future. And the Bible confirms very clearly to us that if you belong to Jesus, you have the Spirit of Christ residing inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit. Here's proof. In other words, you're already a winner. Some of you just need to stand up and realize it and come against what the enemy's doing. Here, here, here are some things that are true of you and I want to teach you tonight. Number one... You are connected to Christ. It says, He is the vine and we are the branches. That's a simple truth, but I find it to be very powerful in my life just to remind myself with the enemies in my ear in the morning and he's in my ear at night. And don't think that I haven't walked through this a hundred million times. But sometimes I just need to do like David and just shake myself a little bit and say, wait a second. <laughs> Who is this? that's going to come against. I am in Christ. You are, listen, you are connected to the creator of the universe. One of the things I do when I'm feeling down, I just go outside and I look up. I say that same God that created all of that and named each one of those billions of stars knows me and I'm connected to that God. The devil is identified in scripture as the prince of this world. But the scriptures tell us, but you belong to God. You have already won a victory because the spirit who lives in you is greater than he that is in the world. Number two, you are empowered by Christ. Everybody say empowered. Empowered. Not only did Jesus promise to be with us through the person of the Holy Spirit, but he also gave us the authority to represent him on the earth. I hope you know that tonight. Listen, he empowered his disciples to cast out demonic spirits. He gave the power, empowered the disciples to trample over all the work of the enemy. Anything. The greatest miracle in history took place when Jesus defeated death and he, was, and he raised himself from the grave. Romans 8.11 reminds us that the same spirit that lives inside of you that, ro- that he rose from the dead with. Amen. What that means is when I say you're empowered by Christ, you have resurrection power. Praise God. I mean, when you have that revelation, there should be smoke coming out of our ears of understanding who it is that we're in and who we're in. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
We do not need to live. And it, it, listen, I, I'm just if I'm nothing else, I'm transparent with you. I live a lot of my life under the weight of the enemy and the attack of the enemy when I just have to shake myself sometimes and say, no, 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 no. You don't get a win in my life. God has the last word. And that's where the the people of God were. They were camped out on a mountain. They were looking at a valley. The enemy was on the other side. God had told them, as long as you're walking in obedience to me, and that's important, as long as you're walking in obedience to me, he told the people of God, you'll never see defeat. You'll never see these things. So it's important that we're walking in obedience to Christ, but it's also important that you begin to understand the authority that God has placed within you. Number three, and this is important, the devil knows that he cannot stop you. Amen? The devil knows that he's already defeated. The devil's already defeated. You need to apply that victory in your life in every situation. The devil is a deceiver. And he's really good at throwing his weight around, isn't he? With his mouth, with his taunts, with his fear, with the things that he uses in all of our lives to try to pull us into a place where we aren't believing God, but we're believing him more than God. So you need to see yourself as simply this, unstoppable. Amen? You are unstoppable. So number one, you've got to identify your enemy. If you can't identify the Goliath, if you can't identify the enemy, then you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to come against. You don't know what to separate yourself from if you can't identify the enemy. Then you need to be aware of what schemes the enemy's using to keep you defeated. And as you move through this checklist, you identify your enemy. You, and in this story, his scheme was taunts and fear and, and verbal abuse of the people of God. Then you've got to embrace your calls. I guarantee you that God has a call and a cause for each one of you. For some of you, what breaks your heart is, are people in prison. So when you embrace that cause, then we can know that when you're going into a prison, the enemy's going to mess with you. So, Ray, have you been messed with lately? Have the enemy been coming against you? Absolutely. Listen, that's my, first, that's my first check to see if I'm heading in the right direction. Because if you're walking with the devil, no resistance. But the moment you begin to turn around and head the other way, guess what you're going to fight? You're going to fight hell. And I want you to be prepared for it. And I want you to be prepared as long as you're walking in God's grace and you're walking in obedience to Him, you can confront the enemy and see him defeated just like David did in this story. So we move from fear to faith by stepping onto the battlefield. Listen, there, if you want to see a victory, you've got to get out on the battlefield. If you want to see God do great things in your life, don't sit on the sidelines feeling sorry for yourself. Get in the midst of the battle. There's like a little meme or a little story out there that talks about the man in the arena, right? That's, that's such so much spiritual application of that, that the ones who usually are the ones discouraging you from seeing a victory are the ones that are sitting on their armor and their sword on the mountaintop looking at what the enemy's doing right in front of him. But I believe I'm in a church full of Davids that see the enemy, see his schemes, see his lies, and have enough of God inside of them to finally stand up in our culture. And listen, we need to get angry at some of the stuff we're seeing in our culture. We need to get angry at some of the stuff we're seeing. Listen, before you say, oh, pastor, there's no way. Be angry and sin not. 
There has to be a holy indignation that begins to rise up, but just like it did in David to see the Goliath and finally say, you know what, enough is enough, buddy. Let's, let's rise up as the people of God. It wasn't the enemy who doubted David. It was his own people. You see that? It was his brother and King Saul. So what do we do, we do when this happens? When somebody comes and tries to discourage you from your victory, shake it off. Amen? Just like David did. Just shake that off. Let them stay sitting on their helmet. He dresses in Saul's armor. He says, ah, this doesn't fit right. You see, other people will always want to dress you in their armor. They will. But you need to be arrayed in God's armor. In other words, God uniquely created you to defeat whatever Goliath has come into your life. And not only did he create you to defeat that Goliath, listen to me tonight, he has brought you through just like the lion and the bear were representative of David saying, you know what, if God gave me victory there, then he can, if he can, if he can help me defeat a lion and a bear, then there's nothing that this uncircumcised Philistine can do. David loved his brothers, I'm sure, and we know he respected King Saul because he had you know, opportunities to kill him and didn't. He respected God's anointing on Saul's life. Important principle there. But he didn't listen to him to the point that it was going to keep him from doing what God wanted him to do. For David, that meant getting off the sidelines and into the battle. Listen, once you've identified your Goliath, once you're certain that God is with you and leading you into this place of battle, of confronting these things, once we are certain of where God is leading us, we need to be willing to stand our ground and shake off doubters. In Samuel 17, verse 48, it says, When Goliath started forward, David ran towards him. Church, I want you to run at what stands in your way. I want you to run at what the enemy's taunting you with. I don't want you to shrink back. I want you to run at it like David did. And lastly, we always, and I know what goes through your mind when I preach sermons like this, because it's gone through my mind in, in times past. And especially as a pastor, usually what I get more often than not when I tell people, listen, you're believing for this, you're praying for this, you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed. And oftentimes we think that when Jesus told us very clearly to ask, seek, and knock, the original language there is not knock once and then go away, not seek once and then go away and then back off. That is a continual process. Because Isaiah clearly tells us, he tells Isaiah two things in Isaiah verse, in chapter 40, I believe. He first tells him, he says, I am your God, so you belong to God, you're his child, he's your heavenly father. And then secondly, he says, call to me and I will answer you. So most of the time as a, as a pastor, the thing I get from people is I've prayed, pastor, and God didn't answer. There is no such thing. When you belong to him. Is everybody hearing me tonight? There's not. You may need to continue again. It's not the size of your faith. It's the duration sometimes of your faith. That in that, in that 40 days that we see in the Bible, the 40 days of testing, the 40 days of trial, the 40 days of fire. I mean, they told Daniel, Daniel, if you keep praying, you're going in a lion's den. And what did he do? Quit praying? No. 
He kept praying because he knew that his God had promised that you're my God and when I seek you with all of my heart, you will answer. It may just not be in the time frame that I was hoping or even in the way that I was hoping that you would answer, but God always comes through for his people. He can't deny himself. So what should we do when God doesn't seem to answer? We keep praying, amen? So I've seen two opposite things happen to people when they feel like they're let down or disappointed by God. They either run from God or they run to God. The most important thing we can ever do is when we identify our enemy is not to shrink back in fear and let his taunts and let the things that he's, he's verbally in our, in, in our ears constantly, no, you're not going to be able to see this happen. No, your kids will never be free. No, this person will always be sick. No, this, this health issue will always remain. No, these things are, it's his lies that we've bought into. In church, any time that when we come into agreement with the enemy, we're sunk. But whenever we run to God and we get his mind, the mind of Christ, when we get his word, Listen to me, don't stop there. Let that word boil up in you like fire shut up in your bones. Amen. Let that word, let it, let it come out. And I don't, I don't, God doesn't answer prayers at this, you know, decibel level or at this decibel level. He can hear a whisper. He knows our thoughts from afar off, the Bible says. He knows, he knows the words before they're even formed on our, on our lips. All the intimate ways that God knows us. What principle we're taught in the Bible, spiritually in the Old Testament and then throughout the New Testament, is sometimes you've just got to stand up and begin to declare God's truth. Because it may not even be against the enemy. Sometimes you're convincing your own heart that God be true and every man a liar. Because you have a good heavenly Father. You have a God that, that loves you and has placed authority and placed His Spirit on the inside of you. And some of you just need to stir up that truth sometimes. Listen, I stirred it up in myself Monday night. Whew. I stirred it. And I'm going to stir it again. And I'm going to stir it again because there's a lot of Goliaths in this community. And sometimes I even drive around and I look and say, I don't ever change and there'll always be that and there'll always be this thing over here. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit just comes sometimes and shakes me and says, don't look at what you can see. Look at what you can't. And we know that David took that, took that sling. One shot. The only place, and I was studying this deeply earlier and I didn't get too far into it, but the, the helmet that, that Goliath was wearing was probably like a skull cap type of a helmet. It wasn't like a, a Roman helmet that would have come down along the sides. Of course, this was before Romans anyway, if I understand that. But a lot of times we get, you see a picture of Goliath, he's got this big helmet on that covered his face. He hit the only place that could have defeated the enemy. God will give you strategy and prayer for your family. He'll give you strategy for prayer and what you're going through. God's given me all kinds of strategy for things going on in my own family, and it never stops. <laughs> Goliath never stops until you finally come to that place where you're like, you know what, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of the enemy sitting on my shoulders. And sometimes you've got to be like David and just shake that thing off. Amen. Yeah. Buddy, would you come? Saray, would you come right up here and stand and get some of the ladies from the church, just a handful, maybe five, six, seven. If you really feel led, come on up and just surround her right there. 
and uh, we want to pray for her tonight. And I felt led to do it here at the end. And, and we'll also add into that prayer uh, and, and help me out, uh, Miss Debbie. It was uh, Pastor Evan. Pa- who? Eddie. Eddie. Pastor Eddie from Redemption Point had heart surgery. Open heart surgery, and he's not doing very well. Correct? And pray. Yeah. So there's a fellow minister up at Redemption Point that needs our prayers. So as we pray over Saray and anoint her with oil, Alexis, grab that oil if you don't mind off the front, because I'm afraid I'll stumble down these stairs without my glasses on. I'm just being honest with you. Thank you. We're going to anoint her and just stretch your hands out this way. Heavenly Father, we send her out from this place this weekend with a blessing. Father, we send her out with the precious anointing of the Holy Spirit that, Father, you would use these hands for healing. You would use her heart and fill her heart with your love and your kindness and your glory and your compassion. And, Father, I pray that it would just flow out of her continually. God, we pray protection over this whole Kairos team. We pray that you would anoint them with the Holy Ghost and fire. And that even as, and I see this in my mind's eye, Saray, that as you minister in any way, form or fashion, whether it's speaking one-on-one or you're ministering in song, there are going to be strongholds pulled down in the name of Jesus Christ. That is a huge Goliath in front of you. These, these ladies are going to come in and they're going, to be, they're going to be there for all kinds of different reasons. But Father, we pray that there would be an anointing that destroys yokes in this, upon these people who are going in there. God, I pray that you would put angels around about them. Send your angels before them and hem them in around behind them, Father. And Lord, we send her from here with the blessings of God and the blessings of her pastor, God. And, and just as they laid hands on Paul and Silas and Antioch and sent them out for the work that they were doing until they received them back unto themselves, God, I pray for a powerful anointing upon this team, a powerful move of God's Holy Spirit in this prison. Lord, let the prison doors in these women's hearts shake like Paul and Silas sitting in the, the, the jail cell at midnight praising God. And I see those hearts begin to open. I see those hearts begin to receive the implanted word of God by which they can be saved, Father. Father, we anoint her tonight and we bless her. And we pray for the pastor up at Redemption Point, God. Pastor Eddie, we call his name before you and we agree with our brothers and sisters in Christ that Pastor Eddie will be healed, Father, that your hand would be upon him and you would protect and watch over him, God, that you would intervene, God, and we speak life in the name of Jesus Christ over him, over Lupita, over Larry, over Robert, and over anyone in this room right now that's in their physical body not feeling well. My daughter, Holly, God, we pray healing over her tonight. We believe that you're our healer. We believe that it doesn't matter what the enemy is arrayed before us. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus tonight. Father, I bless the people of God at Christian Center Church. Father, may they be blessed as they've come in. And Father, may they be blessed as they go out. Watch over and protect them until you bring us back at your appointed time, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And we ask all these things according to your word and according to your promise. And Father, we say that every promise is yes. And amen in Christ Jesus. We love you, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed tonight, church. God bless you. Continue to lift up the team that's going into the Kairos Ministries.